listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and I'm joined by Rhodey Benjamin. Uh, I am here, and I have just witnessed a, a cinema revolution. I feel like if you showed this movie in certain countries, it would count as a war crime. <laughs> Is that because of its, um, its sharp criticism of the free market? Yeah, yeah, what a sharp criticism it was where it just gave free advertising. What a, what a real, he really took just this is a powerful manifesto of anti-corporate activism leveled from the paradoxical perspective of the self-aware cannibalistic free market. I mean, it's just magic, folks. I was really in for a trip. I, had no I also felt it like before. it was probably the most feminist bent film since Catwoman. Really it, could also, it could also be titled um, Josie and the Pussycats, colon, Where Did All of Tara Reed's Shirts Go? <laughs> the back of Tara yes. Reed's shirts. Holy shit, I can tell you one thing that was not spot that did not sponsor this movie, and that's Brawls. <laughs> I I mean, it was... Yeah, and for that reason, we brought uh, we brought our, our tits expert in for this episode. <laughs> we also brought somebody that... that... I don't know, man. That's I would take that. Was, that. that is a great yeah, villain. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I will yeah. say this, though. Yeah, that, this isn't going on the internet. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I share it primarily on LinkedIn, so I'll, I'll just tag you on there. <laughs> I, I know where you work. I think I saw it on your Facebook. Oh, he left. No, he left. Pogues, he left. Uh, I mean, we have... <laughs> we have someone that up until tonight I thought was a friend of mine. <laughs> and then I was like, I think Seth might hate me and Ben. And this was all just like to like finally let us know. Uh, we're joined again by our buddy Seth. You all remember from the spectacular Batman Begins episode, which if you didn't listen to it, go back and listen to that. Yeah, a favorite of mine. Uh, a lot of Batman impressions. Uh, a lot of <laughs> cracks at Rachel Weisz. Was she with that one, or was that the other one? Uh, Rachel Weisz isn't in Batman Begins. You're thinking of um, Katie Holmes. Yeah, Katie Holmes. Entirely uh, different actress. <laughs> Hi, I'm Seth. Speak. Speak oh, Seth, you're still there. I thought you left after Ben called you a tits. I left my phone. Speaking here. of casting mistakes and disasters, uh, it's time to talk about Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> um, I will say that my very first note, which I took uh, less than a minute into the movie, was I have regrets about starting this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like from the word, like from the jump, I was like, this is not going to be good. I am gonna. I and like I looked down. I was like an hour and forty minutes. That feels like an hour too long. Do you from the jump? Do you mean from the gay sex themed musical cold open? Uh, yeah, I thought an interesting way to start a movie called Josie and the Pussycats was to just introduce a whole new band that doesn't really appear again in the movie until the very end. Singing about um, the backdoor lovers. Yeah, singing a song coming from behind. Yeah, yeah. The first like a song about sodomy. Uh, that's not even attempting to disguise it in a clever way. The first, like, 12 minutes of this movie have so many, like, super dirty jokes in it. Oh, my God. Just, like, disappear for the rest of the film. Like, backdoor lovers, the way they're touching each other. Uh, then you're introduced to Josie and the Pussycats, and one of the lyrics to the first song she sings is, Don't You Want to Come Inside? Yep. Which is not, there's no context at the beginning of the end to make that sound like it's a building. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just... And then I forget what the other one, there was another dirty joke, like, right after that. I, I didn't write down what it was. I just said, wow, this seems like a lot of dirty jokes for a movie I can only imagine was aimed at, like, 13-year-old girls. Or maybe <sighs> no one, judging by its box office. <laughs> so let's, let me, let me just, let me just start us off. Let's, let's, let's 
you know, we're we're given a setup for the universe that we're in, and I'm I'm gonna read I'm gonna read it to you if that's all right. <clears throat> oh God, no. <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats, long tails and ears for hats. I'm with you. Guitars and Marshall stacks, hot, sweet, super cool. Don't you know these kitties rule? So that's. There's that, and I don't, I, you know... That's... If the movie had started with just a cold open of them playing the Josie and the Pussycats theme... They don't play the like... song at all in no, the entire movie. <laughs> the very end, during a blooper reel, in which the sound's on in the blooper reel, so you can't really hear the movie. Yep. Uh, and I want to establish, we sort of establish this in the, um, in the mini, that if you're maybe, like, saw the title of this episode and, like, did they get this wrong? Like, But if you've forgotten, Josie and the Pussycats was a comic book series that ran miraculously from 63 to 84? 82. 82? Which, I, I will say this, uh, I, when we... 20 when years of material this, in there. Yeah. Oof, yeah. When you pick this movie and I was bummed out, like, when we, I was like, let's get Seth back on. I was like, we can do the next Batman movie. And, he, and Ben was like, well, he wants to do Josie and the Pussycats. And I was like, ah, so we'll do the next Batman movie? And he was like, no, he really wants no. to do Josie and the Pussycats. So I was no, like, oh. you don't understand. We're going, I, we're going I, for I, a ride. I told my mom, I was like, you know, I was talking to her later. I was like, I got to watch, you know, Josie and the Pussycats. Didn't you used to read like that when, like, you were younger? And, you know, she was like, yeah, they used to be detectives. And I was like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> Apparently there was a time period where they were detectives? Yeah, Nancy like Drew, I guess. I didn't delve too far into it, but I was like, that doesn't. I want to establish that this is a movie based off of a comic that was also adapted into a television show, um, which uh, had two iterations: both a Josie and the Pussycats uh, original show that had about sixteen episodes, um, which they which they mimicked as best they could uh, in the movie from seventy to seventy one. It had a 16-episode spinoff called Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space. So, right. Oh, my God. Right. I remember that. Yeah. I remember seeing that like on the old Hanna-Barbera reruns on Cartoon Network or yeah, whatever. It's like, fuck Did, them. Put them in space. So that all, Get them off this planet. That all died in about... I <laughs> <laughs> don't want them here anymore. Away they go. Yeah, that was the origin. That was a weird <laughs> plot. That was a weird plot. Um, it was like Poochie. That's a Simpsons reference if you don't get it. Oh, I get it. Uh, and, and all of this uh, led to somebody in 2001 deciding, hey, let's revive them. And who who did decide yeah. that? Because let's, uh, let's fire them. The only thing I can think is let's they get them had in trouble. to have uh, Spice World. And they were like, "That's that did – maybe it did well? I don't know. I didn't bother to look it up. But I think Spice World like, monetarily did – Okay. That, that's what I mean. The movie's yeah. terrible. Yeah. But I mean, like, that's my only thought is they were like, well, the Spice Girls movie did a good job. Let's so, let's make a movie about a female band, not realizing that that movie had an already existing audience. Ben's, Ben's pulling up Spice World here, but uh, Harry Elfont is the man who uh, wrote this. Spice World didn't do great. Spice World, <laughs> Spice World grossed domestically about 29, 29 mil over a 25 million budget. Oh, so, okay. So they barely... Yeah. That's not terrible, though. It's not I mean, strong. Fifteen million more than this movie made. Yeah, it's better than Josie and the Pussycats, which managed to pull about fourteen mil domestic over a forty million dollar budget. So, <laughs> and when you watch Sorry. this movie, you're like, "Where'd the fucking forty million dollars go?" Oh, yeah, would they pay letters letters from Cleo for like uh, every day, like a million bucks they yeah. were on set? Like, for... well, they had to buy all those backless shirts and buy a bunch of <laughs> yeah. and then throw them away, and then, and then, and then hire a whole crew to cut the, cut the backs out of shirts. 
the glitter budget. It is crazy how often they're covered in glitter. Yeah, that's not like, that's not us being sexist. That's an accurate depiction that, of the comic. Yeah, the it's not a judgment of the people of the women in this movie. Everything is fucking glittery in it. That's just that was the the but I want to design. I want to get into this because we touched on it a minute ago. This is a cold open like I've never seen before. A lot of our movies. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that we've established a pretty concise formula. Comic book movies, whether they're from the 80s up into the 90s or early 2000s, tend to open with a similar theme, which is a voiceover with some sort of montage. Yes, or at the very least, the introduction of the fucking main character. Right. And then then shots of the main character uh, pre-origin, yeah. right? And then we move into an origin story, which we usually lock down in the first usually with like a 30 Minutes, like yeah. A family member or some sort of guardian. Yeah, like that's that's know. usually established in the first thirty minutes. Now I know I'm talking about superhero, but this is this is everything. Yeah. This is like the crow. This is like a lot of movies. Yeah. I mean, even Virus had the common decency to introduce yeah. us to the fucking right. people on the boat. Common the cold open <laughs> of Josie and the Pussycats is a different band that isn't Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, singing uh, about anal. Singing about <laughs> anal sex. <laughs> Then, then we follow them onto their plane, uh, of which has the worst product placement because it's only inside the plane and not for anyone else to yeah, see. Yeah, I thought that was a bizarre, like, pick. And then to find out that they didn't pay, make any of the companies they put the advertising in for pay. Yeah. Not a great decision, guys. I was if you're going to make me look at that shit, get the money for it. I was pretty upset about the advertising, and I thought, like, oh, you know, this was this was a film, you know, made in... 1999 or 2000 or whatever or like a back in me where you know like mcdonald's paid for 90 percent of it they just yeah they just like you know okay like we're gonna cash in on this and then i'm like oh it's a it's a statement in air quotes about advertising because there's so much advertising and it's like a real cool you know rage against the machine poster on your wall type statement about like consumerism and then it was just weird and annoying after a while. After a while, I just didn't even pay attention. I just started wondering about other things that had nothing to do with this movie. Like, what the fuck did I do to Seth? <laughs> I, you know? But you, you, I mean, you got to see Rachel Lee Cook, who is adorable to me. Yes, Rachel Lee so... Cook and Rosaria Dawson. Like, I was almost just like, I'll just take it because they're both such... Like just beautiful, cute women. Yeah, they're they're. they're I like them as actresses too. Like I don't yeah. just find them attractive. I both. I'm I mean, especially like, a fan of Rosario Dawson. I think she's great. Yeah, uh, she's an amazing actress. And I'm sure that when they were filming this movie, it was they were like having the time of their life making it. I'm sure because everyone knew how fucking ridiculous it was that they were doing it. Oh yeah, I mean. But we, the consumers on the other end, are are victims in a way. I yeah, mean. it's it's great when you get to play pretend with your friends. It's another yeah. thing that you want people to watch it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Also, so, here's a tip. I don't need three music numbers in the first 12 minutes of any movie. Yeah. Not even a musical. Let's say again, uh, 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 a, a fucking, a fucking uh, uh, band that isn't the band that the movie is about. Mm -hmm. And not like a band. It's not like we're watching like a Batman movie. And, like, we kind of get an origin of, like, Robin, you know, like, someone that's essential to the plot of the main... Like, no, we're getting an irrelevant band. They're not even, like, it's not even... There's not even, like, the sense of being, like, oh, well, this is, a this is like, the Josie and the Pussycats rival band from the comic. It's just, right. like, a commentary. Right. Like, it felt like the directors just had an axe to grind with NSYNC. 
and, and I did it. Like it felt very like they were just like, you personal, know what, fuck boy bands. It's really personal. And here's the particularly <laughs> insane thing because if you haven't watched this movie, which just I assume you haven't, like, fuck their mom or something. <laughs> I, I assume you haven't seen this movie before watching this, listening, listening to this episode because you're a sane person who appreciates their time yeah. and value. Um, you won't be aware that off the top of your head that the the boy band is made up of uh, a, a fourth member. I don't know, but of yes, a, was that not that was the most insane thing? I was like. Wait, you picked three somewhat famous comedy actresses and then just some dude? Yeah, it was Brecken Meyer, Seth Green, and Donald Faison. Uh, Donald Faison being Turk from Scrubs. Scrubs, yeah. Uh, Brecken Meyer being from like every early 2000s movie, like Road Trip and, and all those films. And then, of course, Seth Green being goddamn Seth Green. These characters make up three, three quarters of the boy band uh, du jour. Uh, and they are uncredited on IMDb. They, well, that might have been a request by them. Yeah, I think that was a request by them to save their careers before. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't want this to come up on an IMDb no, search. Fine. Yeah. Fine. Uh, uh, <laughs> you sure you don't want us to put your name in there? It's like maybe an nope, 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 we're good. Nope, no, I'm good. And they, they issue what is actually kind of a, an, I thought was an amusing comedic sequence where they're arguing over who gets to do a certain face where they like they like purse their lips like and, do like, and, and do like a hand sign. And them claiming that he's allowed to do it, the other guy is. It was kind of an amusing dialogue sequence. And then Alan Alan Cumming is introduced, uh, uh, playing the the evil like uh, record sort of uh, uh, overseer, he's manager. He's the manager the... of different bands that he apparently murders when they serve their purpose. Um, when I say Alan Cumming, I mean Boris from Goldeneye. Yeah. I mean fucking Nightcrawler. <laughs> I don't know if maybe like Boris from Goldeneye is like to be like, can you believe that caliber of an actor? I am invincible. He's invincible. He can't be killed except he's killed in Goldeneye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> except for he, he's he's killing what he thinks is a Russian accent. Yeah, he sure is. But this movie has Parky, Parker Posey, who I love. Like who I feel like love. I feel like they sat Parker Posey down and they were like. We're going to have you watch The Phantom. We want you to treat Williams the shit out of this. But she was like, okay. Like, I mean, she is clearly, like, just trying her hardest. Like, all the blo- half the bloopers are her just, like, realizing how fucking stupid it is what they want her to do. Well, she's she can kind of do whatever she wants. Like, I view I view this movie, like, from her, from her perspective of, like, yeah, sure, why not? Like, I have literally nothing to lose. It's, you know, it's like she already has, I'm sure, a decent amount of money, and it doesn't really matter to her. So she, I mean, her her character in the movie is just insane, and she's not even trying to do anything close to acting, and it's, it's yeah, fantastic. The scene where they go into the girls' room at the party... Oh, we're, we're, there's it was a like, whole lot of stuff going on. It was on. like a fucking, like... Twin Peaks, like, fever dream. We that guy was waiting for, like, a backwards-talking midget to show it was up. It's like, so insane. We're getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, I'll, yes, uh, sorry. I've got, a, I've got a whole a whole theory about what this movie's actually about, but we'll... All right, well, can we, uh, we're introduced to, let's just, let's just pull it back a little when we're introduced to the rest of the interesting characters. Uh, you've Ooh. got their manager. <laughs> yeah, please tell me who. I, I don't even remember what his name was or the actor's Boris. name. Just call him Boris. Uh, then you've got his sister, I guess, which I thought was his girlfriend for like the first half of the movie until somebody this is said Alexander, Alexander and Alexandra Cabot. They're they're they are characters from the original 
comic and I guess maybe interpreted in the TV show. Uh, this was the movie's desperate attempt to stay true to source material. And this is this is and for once this- in this podcast, I can say, guys, let it go. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. all right. <laughs> Doesn't it feel like in this situation, you're like, who? Who is yeah. the marketing guy who's like, we gotta bring up stuff from the '60s comics because throw those ladies in their like '40s to '50s seeing this yeah. movie are gonna want us to stay like, what? The, who the fuck thought that mattered? Some guy came in and goes, guys, the kids are gonna be all over us on the BBS message boards if we goddamn don't have every gonna, character. They're gonna sign into AOL. They're gonna get in the chat room. And and here I have a picture of their costumes in the seventies. They need to dress just like this, regardless of the time period. But make them look like hookers. <laughs> yeah, everyone hookers. Look like a hooker. It is. The it kids is, will love it. <laughs> it is shocking that they could take a band who wears basically one piece bathing suits mm-hmm. as like an outfit and be like, "How can we make them look trashier?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's just like that. That that one seems theatrical. Just make them dress like. Just the most weird outfits yeah. possible. I want them to sort of have the the sort of vibe of like an ex wife in Jersey of like a mafia boss. <laughs> like, can we get yeah. that? Yeah. And just, I don't want to see a brawl anywhere. <laughs> I hope someone in the scripting was like, "Hey, sir, um, are these characters high schoolers or college students or in their late twenties?" And the person's well, like, "Is there a difference? I don't know." <laughs> I just have a note According, here. For, for law purposes, there isn't, guys. If you ask my lawyer... Because, to, to get back to the story here, we're introduced to Joe's and the Pussycats uh, after a 12-minute sequence, which includes no reference to them. Yeah. Uh, we're introduced to Joe's and the Pussycats, who are playing in a... Um, in a bowling alley. Well, no, no, no. We are introduced to Josie and the Pussycats in a... In a wordless montage oh, that's while correct. the title yeah. song plays right. and you're you're like hit over the head with like she's a hard worker she this one's athletic this one likes animal like she's the dumb one yeah she's the oh that's right it was the pussy that sign is, the is where i was like time in yeah. the movie where they are humans like the rest of the movie but they're not even humans there it's the only time in the movie where they're like just like well this is the character type we wanted to do yeah. but it's a lot of work to write a script. I mean, and it's confusing because the, the premise they, they send your way is that Josie, Josie is the leader and Rose, uh, and Valerie is the one that cares about humans because she works at a homeless shelter yeah. and takes care of people. And that Melody is just a fucking idiot. Like that, yeah, she's that definitely fit. suffered some sort of brain trauma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because she, she, she like just drops stuff. And, and goes puppies and goes oops and falls down. And that that's it. I also feel like they, they had a role for that character. And then Tara Reid showed up and they were like, oh, god damn it. Man, uh-oh. <laughs> just let her hack however she – whatever she yeah, says, just go with it, yeah, guys. The script had Melody talking a lot about consumerism <laughs> and, 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 the ethics of, and the ethics of capitalism. She was like the hip – like a hippie but like a really – like a – like a really like well educated person, right? And then Tara Reid was like, "I can't pronounce these words." Basically, what what they got out of the movie, what Tara Reid said during that scene, <laughs> like just naturally. Yeah, she was like, you know, they just cut out the parts where she was like, "Does anybody have any more glue or a <laughs> sock with some spray paint in it?" Yeah. Oh. Uh, also, did anybody think that Alan M, who was the quote unquote sexiest guy in Riverdale, was just like a uh, time traveling James Spader? <laughs> That dude, when they first showed him, I was like, holy fuck, is that James Spader? And then in my mind, I was like, what kind of idiot am I that I thought this could possibly be James Spader? Oh, 
Yeah, he also is confusing because Riverdale is presented as being like, in your mind, if you were asked to, to like describe Riverdale, which would be hard to do because no one gives a fuck about Archie, um, you would just uh, kind of very popular comic. Actually. You would picture like I know. I know. You would picture well, Riverdale, it's right? You'd picture like a '50s sort of like harmonious, yeah, like handsome, like, like uh, football players kind of guy. You wouldn't get that the guy in the Led Zeppelin T-shirt with a moppy haircut would be like the the hunk River- of Riverdale, yeah, right? Which like, then, like seeing him, I was like, rough break for Riverdale, man. The girls are if he like wins, yeah. not a great place to live for women. Like he's not an unattractive man, but. Like, you know, they build him up, and then you see him, you're just like, he just looks like every other dude. So, so we're, we're introduced to him, and, you know... James Spader. And it's a mini... James Spader, Time yeah. travel, time traveling Spader. Doc Brown Spader. <laughs> oh, man. So, okay, so... So, how old are the people in this story? So, who, impossible. Who aren't clearly, like, the, the adults, like, the man. This is where it got weird for me, because I'm with Ben. It feels like the, the Josie and the Pussycats live together in a house. So you're like, oh, they must be, like, in their early 20s, early maybe. Early 20s, right. Yeah, right. They, but at the they have a gig, bus pass, they drive a van. At the gig they're playing, a group pulls up, right. and it's full of cheerleaders. I guess they could be college cheerleaders, but do college cheerleaders, like, Drive around in their cheerleader outfits? They're acting like middle schoolers. They're in all pink. They're but... acting like, yeah, like horrible, horrible high school, like TV high school students. They're doing like a really cheesy Mean Girls thing. They're just like in like pink outfits and they're blasting a boy band and they roll up and be like, hey, what's up, losers? Like they're doing like, I'm like, that's not what anyone is like at 20. Above, above 20. Yeah. At all. Also, it's... why were they just cruising around a fucking bowling alley's parking lot? <laughs> Waiting for women to harass. <laughs> yeah, let's just drive down to the bowling alley and make fun of somebody. It's like, ah, you're in a bowling alley parking lot. You can't really say anything anymore. It was at this point that the, another song kicked on, and Seth was like, and Seth and I had the conversation that this band, as being presented, has no chance of becoming a pop sensation because they play what would be They're like pop, would be like pretty okay popular alt music of the 90s. Like, really? They are straight up, like, it feels like they wanted them to be a pop-punk band. Well, yeah. Seth called them out as Letters to, Letters to Cleo, and then we immediately discovered that one of the main people who contributed to the soundtrack of this movie was members of Letters to Cleo. Yeah. <laughs> Including the lead singer is Josie. She yeah. sings all the songs in the movie. Yep. Yeah, and, and the, 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 like, the, 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 the whole feel of the movie, the tone, like, I know it's, I think it's, self-aware the people who wrote this movie are self-aware that they're writing this weird thing but i mean it was so i i it's so far away from any of the kind like it's not even like cheesy it's just so weird like it's like david lynch weird in so many it, moments it, yeah why are they why were they playing in a bowling alley yeah. Why don't they have any fans whatsoever? Why don't they have any family? Where is the, <laughs> yeah. Where are their, Where is Josie? It's and like her three friends? orphans yep. met up and they were like, "Where's Mrs. Pussycat? <laughs> I need to know where she is." Like, I, it's just because there's so many other things about this movie that like they try to make like realistic in the context of the movie, and like one of the themes is like friendship and you know like. Uh, friends before the band and all that kind of thing but i'm like 
So like Josie looks like she lives in like a like a, like she's squatting in a house that burned down at the end of this yeah. cul-de-sac. It looks it's like it's like been they were going to try to build like more of a uh, like a housing development yeah. and no one bought it and they were just like, "Well, we already built part of it." It looks like like it's like what's left of a neighborhood after a developer comes in and like bulldozes all of it and Josie or they can't... find out that the yeah, water's it's cool. a symbolism for this movie. Yeah, change, and we got change it. yourself to her house and like yeah. you're not bulldozing. I mean, the house looks dirty and like they're, it's full of cats apparently and to be to be clear here they, they appear to own a home own a home they're not high school kids they're not yeah like, they, they have again, a car but again this home is like 40 feet away from a road with no driveway which means that road does not go to that house so it exists in an area where there's no like a no way to drive to the house and it's just yeah. covered in spray paint like it looks it Polka looks dust. like it has black mold all over it that's yeah. what it looks like it's so weird and, and then no explanation no, they don't talk about that. They just they, they introduce a, 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 an in, intensifying series of of tertiary characters that have no value or merit to this movie that were just copied like C, like like Control C Control V out of the comic <laughs> into this script, and they don't make any sense. They don't have any personality or any relevance to a plotline. They like their their quote unquote manager. It doesn't it never has a conflict that he has to solve or a character development. He disappears. Uh, acts really wobbly. Is that like marijuana guy from from Road Trip? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and then his sister appears, uh, makes dumb faces for an hour and a half, and then disappears. And is is generic bitch four? Yeah, it's yep. it's insane. And that's one of like seven characters that they crowbar into this plot, of which we've already gotten forty five minutes of, with about twenty minutes of Josie and the Pussycats even being in it. Yeah, not like. You know, there's a lot of movies where nothing happens. Like, right. Nothing happens. This is that movie. It's just, it, I mean, like, they they pay more attention to their advertising joke or running gag right. through the movie than anything else. And, like, they play, they only play three songs in this movie. It's the same three songs, and they play most of each song several times through the movie. Which almost made me think at some point, because I'm like, all right. Everything about the movie is a joke. Like, yeah. you know, they're lampooning, you know, which I like the scene where there was like MTV news. And I was like, holy shit, I forgot when MTV wasn't just like a cult, like a complete cultural joke. Yeah. But I was like, like, you actually like go to it and get music information. Yeah. And they would play music. But like, they're like lampooning TRL. They're talking about, you know, like boy bands and, you know, people only listen to music. You know, like, is it is music only popular because people tell you it's popular, whatever. But then they play songs that aren't jokes. They're like appear to be seriously written songs to which I was just like, did they think this was going to be huge? Like, did they think these songs were going to suddenly top the charts in real life? Well, this this movie hits this bizarre fucking like like jokey apex where it's just you lose track of what's parody and what's just happening in this movie when um, the, the, the manager arrives at like what is assumed like what do you call one of those like like old stores sold cds at the mall like you know what i mean like a, like a tower record yeah like a tower records kind of joint. jesus christ ben how old are you i don't mean records so i mean, i was actually looking for a, an actual brand oh okay i was gonna say you i had a place where like sam goody that was that was the word i was looking yeah, for sam they're, they're in like a sam goody in the mall which has a dj which has a dj but as they pan you know. out there's about 12 to 13 brands that they've crammed into this like scene there's about there's five or about six 45 people in that store yeah, there's about five to six behind him. The guy's got a 
a twisted forward Starbucks cup that you can read plain as day. Everyone's wearing a t-shirt with a logo on it. Like, it's all over the place. And I get there's a joke about it, sort of there. But it's also like, it, it, it feels like a dream I had. It's, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, I think it's exactly like Seth said. It, it feels like there's something, like, Lynchian going on. Yeah. But without any of the... A like, merit or substance. <laughs> yeah, with no, no substance, exactly. It's just like, hey, let's do something trippy. What's the point? I don't fucking know. Like, get off my back, bro. I wrote, I wrote three songs to complete that. I don't scene, have time for anything else. <laughs> to complete that scene in perfection is that at the end of it, they ca- they kidnap a goth chick who's rejecting like the mainstream consumerism that they're describing in like the the underlying like messages in the songs, and they take her down to the basement where. This record exec whips her into a van, which peels off, leaving behind a big MTV.com logo. And I'm like, what is this? (laughs) Which I feel like, in retrospect, this is why they couldn't take money for any of these advertisements. Because Coke would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're not putting this in this movie. Remember, I mean, just to kind of get us back to the the story or the semblance of a story. Like, the movie opens with a boy band singing about sodomizing somebody and then they are murdered in a plane crash uh and fine. these are four of the dumbest people you will ever meet the movie supposes and they have a question about a sound they hear in the back of a background trick yeah. can they just lie to these fuckers why do they go straight to murder additional details please again nobody watched this so just to be clear also they never they heard weird what that the background was- they heard a weird noise on a recording so the record exec said whoops and locked the door Grabbed the pilot and left. And then the made in a, an American Pie reference, which I was like, and not the movie. I'm talking about the song. I was like, what person in the audience do they think is going to get that joke? Uh, and then, the, but he leaps out of a plane with the pilot, letting it just crash into Riverdale, just 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 land in an elementary school and kill yeah. people. But I mean, like, what's bizarre is one. At first, they don't tell you. They don't explain what the noises they hear in the background. No, they don't. It's just like we need to find a new band, and you're like. What the fuck is going on? Like, I knew what was happening because I read the brief synopsis of the film before we started watching it. But they never, they, they take so long to set up the plot. And it's not a good plot. Yeah. It's basically, there's a record label that's putting subliminal messages in music. That's the whole plot. The plot. This movie could have been 35. Like, it, I guarantee you this was like a, an episode of the TV show. And they were just like, just add like an hour. Well, the plot was backs. The plot was similar. Costumes, in a, in, in a way, a, a dumbed down, less entertaining version of Zoolander, which is sort of the concept that's happening. Yeah, and Zoolander, they're they're using like yeah, stuff, is, and and there's a whole exactly thing like to assess the of nations and stuff like that. But it's it's far more interesting. There's obviously actual comedy in that movie. It's not meant for kids, so they're able to actually conceptualized jokes Sanders actually was supposed to be a joke on the manchurian candidate but anyways but i mean what that works is there's a movie that lampoons its subject matter well this movie does not and so all the jokes just fall because you don't know what's supposed to be a joke and what's just well the tone is just so weird like this the whole you know like if the if you removed if you, this is a movie where you could re, like edit it, you know, like people on YouTube who do like trailer edits, and yeah. they, they turn like 
Mary Poppins into like a scary looking movie. You yeah. Know, like, oh, like, this would be trailer. so good. Like, for that. if you you could just remove like any of the supposed jokes in this, and you'd be like, is this like a Twin Peaks thing? Yeah, like, yeah it would feel like On Holland Drive. Yeah, yeah. Like you could edit this movie down to be like, oh, I think one of these people is going to switch lives in a minute. I can yeah. give you three right now. Just show the plane crashing into the distance, the field, and it, with well, a man just parachutes into an empty field and says, "Get me more people" or whatever. Yeah, and then cut to Parker Posey in what was assembled out of uh, what what somebody retrieved from the fire that took place in a twelve year old girl's room, <laughs> but but then placed it into a missile silo. Yeah. Yep. Also, where, and then, no, and, where no boys are allowed. And then cut to that homeless clown that she sees in the street. Yeah, at that, point. The yeah. <laughs> that part was fucked up. That was from a whole different movie. In the pussy. Also, cut four. Riverdale's fucking weird, man. <laughs> where are all the parents? Yeah. Well, did you guys think too? It was odd. There's like a big reveal when they like he calls. And he's talking to you know his executive boss, and they won't show her face. And then they reveal it, and it's like, I mean. She's a famous actress, but it's not like, you know, they zoom up and it's like Jane Duty, Judy Dench or somebody. I was just like, why is there such a big reveal for just an ordinary woman? Like, you know, there wasn't something like big about her character. I said that was like they played up the reveal of Parker Posey so much for no real. Around this point in the movie, we also get a not another origin story first. Um, we we obtain an incident in which in a comic book adaptation film a existing fictional character calls out her presence in the plot as to be a reference to the comic book. A character I feel like that might have happened in Scott Pilgrim. I can't, that's a fair point, but a, a, a character is asked, why are you here? And the character responds, because I was in the, the comic, comic book. book. And then someone says, what? And they said, never no, mind. <laughs> Again, who the guy on, on board the script was like, no, we got to stay true. We got to keep these characters in. Also, it's good to see that Eugene Levy will literally be in any movie. Yep. Uh, he just true. appears midway through this film in like a... And then uh, the educational film that they... Yeah, it's just... Also, I forgot Behind the Music was a thing. This movie was a real time trip to a not great period of time in U.S. history. <laughs> I also have another note, which is that, um, like, like we've done in previous episodes, we like to sort of track when someone locks down what you can establish to be the quote-unquote origin story. Uh, so for this movie, because it began with them already being a band and them already playing music, that would essentially be when they become a success on like you know on, on MTV. And like they're, that, that's essentially the origin story is when they become a hit. Uh, that takes 58 minutes, which uh, blows way past most of our... That, that blows past even the slowest pace, including yes, Batman Begins. Which, which is exactly why we, we talk about this in somewhat of a formula, is that it's important that you establish a concept for people to embrace. In this, you just create this fucking blender of pop culture references, some sort of message about consumerism that's lost... Because at the end they just end up playing the show anyway. Yeah, and then yeah, like the whole <laughs> the whole moral superiority of this movie is they just they're like ah forget it we rented this this stage. Yeah, <laughs> at the end, like the thing that I thought was bizarre is at the end it's supposed to be like they've stopped the brainwashing and she gets up and she's like we're gonna play you guys a song and if you like it that's cool if you don't that's cool. Why was there not a shot of like people just being like eh, and just walking out? Yeah, like it, it still seems like there's a chance they're all brainwashed still. Yeah, everyone in the crowd at the stadium was like, 
oh, well, the brainwashing's off, but we're still cool to see this band that we, I guess we organically like. But that's yeah, not, which is like insane because that's it's not to be true. Like, like half a billion people are listening to this. At least five of them had to be like, mm, "This isn't my bag." Yeah, and I, I yeah. Oh man, like. So one of my favorite scenes that I had to call out that's happening is at this point, Josie and the Pussycats have been brought on to replace Dujour as part of the record to be the front, the, the like to be the front of the spear for this operation to like to to trick everyone into buying Big Macs or whatever it is their fucking job is. Um, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be really expensive for the government to have like a oh secret... the government's involved yeah that's a good yeah because it's the government it's like the world government's conspiring so people buy CDs? it's good for the economy man and is that's it good for the country <laughs> is it is it good for the economy? how much money does it take to run this secret program it felt that... like they were employing half a billion people of <laughs> <laughs> confusing costume choices too because the goons that appear at random intervals to like take care of things are dressed in slacks like dress like like pleated dress slacks like tennis shoes and sleeveless tees and i'm like what <laughs> if you guys get that joke and if you do good for you <laughs> and then and then we get the Tara Reed shower scene, which is not as fun as it's I was not, trying to make it sound. You know, the sound. way you described it sounds great, but it's not. What's it's happening not. in the Tara Reed shower scene is that she is in a McDonald's shower, and you're wondering, what the <laughs> fuck a is this shower? <laughs> if you're wondering, what's a McDonald's shower? Welcome to this podcast. But, <laughs> but uh, what's happening is she's in a branded McDonald's shower. Again, confusing branding, because... The point of advertising. What do you think it, of when you think of showering? Yeah, is McDonald's, just a, just a, right? <laughs> yeah, just like wet fries is yeah. what I think of. But also, that's what she's using. She has like a wet. She, she has like a fry loofah. She yeah. has a trio of loofahs, of which of, uh, are like a burger, a chicken nugget, and French fries in loofah form that look more like Beanie Babies. She's just getting wet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, like, we are talking pillows. about Tara Reed. Yeah. yeah, they're like pillows on her bed yeah, or something. Yeah, that she brought in. Yeah. Um, I was just glad that, like, you know, it wasn't like a wild turkey situation where she would look up and drown to, like, looking at the water as it right. came Close yeah. your mouth. <laughs> My God, who's not watching Tara? <laughs> Can't leave her alone like that. And she steps out, and there's, like, there's about 12 different kinds of logos. There's an M a golden arch is across the back. There's like little M's on the glass. There's an M fix light fixture over her. Like there is like millions of dollars of set design going into stuff like this. Yeah, they had to. They had to a make lot of that. A yeah, lot. I guess of it. that's where all the money went was for free product placement. Yeah, because to be clear, which is the dumbest use of a film's budget. Yeah, ever. Because we researched this, and 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 all the product placement is volunteered by the filmmakers as part of their running gag that no one enjoyed, uh, and they 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 obtained zero revenue from this, which they spent all their money to fake revenue that didn't yeah, exist. Windows that just say Revlon. Yeah. Every like just repeatedly over and and it. it the joke, it doesn't work as a joke, though. Like, when she's in the McDonald's shower, you're not like, ha-ha, the shower's branded as McDonald's. I was just like, why? What does this have to do? Like, and then there's, like, this weird guy who shows up and leaves her, like, a cryptic message. But he's in it so little that, like, when he shows back up at the end and you realize it's the dudes from DeJure, you're just like, oh. I don't give a shit. Like, what <laughs> the fuck? These characters were shown twice. I don't give a shit. And, and we're also introduced to 
like like again we're, a third act love story like they introduce this this the, boy, bo- the hot boy the from Riverdale boy in Riverdale and apparently one of one of two one yeah. of one of two boys one of two boys who exist in Riverdale <laughs> because the rest were killed in a plane crash yeah or the rest were taken by a fog in the night the rest were no hit by a rogue where. plane <laughs> well we just woke up to the crying of their mothers <laughs> <laughs> they came for the children <laughs> I'm pretty sure this entire movie just takes place in the movie The Cell. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I would actually love if this movie had just had like a scene where they just Temple of Doom it because it would it wouldn't have made any less sense than the rest of this film. I mean, all I know about Riverdale is that is that Josie and her friends live with a bunch of cats in a rundown building. Yes, and they there's a bowling alley and there's like psychotic women who drive around yelling at people they see in parking lots like Riverdale and it has the largest CD store just jammed packed in the absolute world I mean this CD store is two stories Riverdale is like clearly set up to be like middle America like just like an ordinary town why does it have like a fucking two story CD store with a DJ and like the entire town must be in that store yeah that's what well they're sheltering themselves yeah again all teens no parents (laughs) yeah (laughs) all the parents were killed off all the bowling alley all the adults the only other non non music related adults we see are briefly in the bowling alley non vague use that this movie considers to be young and then everybody else is like supposed to be, a, I guess, a teenager or early twenties. It's super confusing. But that's another good point is because in the first act, we're introduced into this Alan M, who's supposed to be like like the teen heartthrob, who's just awkward and strange in the first act. He and disappears. It is clear that uh, Josie has a crush on him, right? And then he's brought on. He gets to come with him to the city. And then he's forgotten about for like 25 minutes. And then all of a sudden he just shows back up. It's like, where the fuck is he even staying? He is gone for most of this movie. And then in the third act, they desperately try to jam him back in for a love interest. But it's confusing because, again, we've established that they have this weird, like, ghost, g- ghost, ghost-like interpretation of youth where it's somewhere between the ages of 14 and 32 they've established this, like, age range to be. And the characters act like they're freshmen in high school. Like they've never made out before and they don't know what kissing is. Hey, man, don't be so harsh on Jean Spader. <laughs> like like in that scene where she's in her apartment, they're, they're in, in the, her apartment alone and he's like helping fix this part of her dress. Like they're both acting like this is the first contact with a member of the opposite sex that either of them has had. And I'm like, you are minimum 27. What? Well, maybe, first of all, they are not 27. But yeah. Maybe Riverdale's very wholesome, man. People don't have sex till they get married. I'm going to say, for the sake of trying to... Why am I defending this fucking movie? <laughs> it's taking you, folks. It's... <laughs> oh, no, there were subliminal messages in this movie, which there are, and it's not a good joke. Also, did anybody feel like it was vaguely racist that they decided to exclude the black girl? Yeah, also that oh, yeah. that the manager once referred to her as there's it's a it's a three-person band of girls and one of them is very tan. I'm like, "Sir, that's not what very tan means." <laughs> yeah, like that, was that necessary? Was that what he meant? Like, like that must be what I, he meant. I guess they were trying to do a joke cuz he said, "Who I forget what band he says it it's like uh what three women band it's like cuz if one of them was really tan, then he said it's like I forget the the Jesse chicks." <laughs> 
No. God, Jesus Christ. They were, I don't think they were a band yet. Maybe. I don't know. Then he made... I don't fucking remember. The, all the jokes are terrible in this movie. In which he picks, like, well, you know, he's like, it's like salt not, and pepper, except for if two of them were white. Let's not say... Let's not say that all the jokes are terrible, because somebody wrote down in this script, uh, a brother can't be Carson Daly, and then it made it into the movie. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, that whole scene... With, like, and that's the, Ari Spears, by the way. So Ari yeah. Spears is a comedian, I guess. Legally, you could say that. <laughs> and like, it felt like he, like they owe like the directors like he had come over and cut their grass or something. <laughs> and he had to like he was like they were like yeah we'll put you in the movie if you guys, would like you know please watch your tone because we're talking about Chubby from John Leguizamo's The Pest. Yes. So yeah, I mean let's let's not deface uh, TP from Jerry Maguire. <laughs> And I mean, he puts on like the most bizarre. I, I, was he like an MTV he, personality? He's, he was. Why the fuck was like, he in this? He's like a comedian. He's like a stand-up and like a DJ, and he has like a hip-hop show on some radio station now. Okay. And I mean, like I know. I, I honestly just knew him as like a, a comedian who did not. But, great but the thing is, is like that's how I know him now. In 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 two thousand, you know, nineteen ninety nine, when I'm sure this movie was coming together, like. I don't know what relevance he would have had at all or why pairing him with Carson Daly to murder some women with baseball bats. Like that was such a weird thing for Carson Daly to say to do. And I'm going to say this and I hope this doesn't sound bad, but it almost felt like they were like, we can't have Carson Daly attack an African-American woman. We need another African-American to do it. I was like, why the fuck is this guy here? And Ari Spears was walking by and they said, Hey, <laughs> uh, do a Cosby imitation. Which do you want to talk about now? Bill Cosby being funny and uh, sticking his spoon in your pudding, and then you try to murder this the same woman with a baseball bat? Would that be something you want on your acting reel? And he was like, "Yes, that is." You can also do the world's worst Chris Rock. That made yeah. I, I I just had like I could not figure out. That was like one of the many scenes where I was just like, "Why is this in this movie?" Like, they sat down, they're like, this is going to be great. People love Carson Daly. And I think this is when Carson Daly was dating Tara Reid. Oh. They were engaged for a bit. I yeah, so I, I think that was supposed to be the joke. When the oh, two well, yeah, because they were like, oh, well, you know, if only, you know, if I had met you some other way, like, we could have dated or whatever. So, okay. I'm sorry, I just caught but, the message board section uh, of the IMDb page, and the, uh, the, the number one posting on it is, this was Dev made before 9-11. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I feel like maybe that hurt this movie if it came out in 2001, like... Maybe, oh, so maybe it came out, out April, it... April of 2001. Just, you didn't oh, no. get us on this one, Al-Qaeda. We... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you were too late to stop Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> or perhaps this was your retribution for when it was released foreign in uh, yeah. Afghanistan. Look, like, we're, sorry about, we're sorry that Carson Daly and Tara Reid broke us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm definitely now going to go through every movie made before 2001 and create a message board topic that just says, this was Def, Def made before 9-11. <laughs> Why did they feel, I wonder what, like, there's no, like, Probably the, flying by tall buildings I in think it, it was something. the plane sequence at the beginning where the plane just presumably crashes into some random oh, building. Yeah, did they put the same thing, the same post on uh, Air Force One? They sure do. Ooh, Air Force One. <laughs> Def made 9-11. <laughs> Death made after Kennedy assassination. Well, I mean, the movie, the movie, I, I never really know 
you know, I, what, what's it, what's at stake in this movie? Yeah, can anyone explain to me what happened in the third act? I was so just like you know like the magic eye things and you look at them yeah. long enough and then you cross your eyes and you like see something this just felt like it's a sailboat it's, it's, a, it's a schooner <laughs> thank you for getting that uh I, I just felt like i kept staring at this and i'm like okay this is okay five more minutes of this and this is gonna yeah, it, it feels like you're like all right the end like the big climax at the end together something's gonna happen that makes this movie make sense. Uh, yeah. Um, well, she has, like, a drug freak out, and then it goes all David Fincher by, like, going into her CD player or, like, Tron. It was like... Yeah, I don't know what well, the fuck that was. And it was, like, really poorly edited, weird camera effects. Like, they must have, like, outlined her in Final Cut Pro or something or After Effects or whatever and just, like, made everything else weird because, like, it was this really bad, weird outline of her. Yeah, and then she's walking down, like, the weirdest street in any fucking city, which includes a homeless clown man. <laughs> I guess it. It includes it. That's where the adults are. All the adults are homeless and terrifying clowns. <laughs> are all Pogo the Clown? <laughs> uh, so that happens, and uh, she's running around some city... And it looks like she's wearing, like, pajamas or, like, a sport coat and nothing else. And despite the movie establishing in multiple sequences that she's basically, like, the Katy Perry of the day. She's, like, yeah, just uh, this she's unmissable just, celebrity. She's just in the Bronx, like... She's, like, wandering. She's, she's in Crime Alley for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, like, just, it, like, two scenes earlier, they get spotted at an aquarium, and a diver gets in a, a thing of whales so he can hold up a sign that says, I love you, Josie. Meanwhile, she's just walking around like i assume looking for opium or something i don't know where the fuck she's yeah, supposed to be she's in the right place because she was 100 percent in the opium district yeah like like i really feel she like was. she was in like you know there was definitely like the wire was happening near there i would watch that i'd watch like a josie and the pussycats the wire, wire crossover episode yeah, where, yeah. Like, the first season just tell me more josie goes into deep cover like <laughs> The, the first season of The Wire is all about, you know, the police force. Second's all about the shipping all union. Right. The third one's all about Josie, Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> Trying to bring down uh, subliminal <laughs> messages, bro. Takes a real turn. You know, everybody yeah. says the second season's the roughest. I think that Josie and the Pussycats season <laughs> yeah. of The I Wire. I think people are giving that one too much credit. Yeah. <laughs> really. I don't know, guys. Tara Reid is great in that. Or at least her animated corpses. <laughs> Remember when that homeless clown dies, though? Great scene. A um, couple of weird things. Y y you remember when they like multiple times, like someone looked at the camera. At some point, that when the when the villain arrives, the music actually goes dun dun dun. Who's? Um, but yeah, the, the finale indicates that Parker Posey's character, which I don't get, is supposedly using her system of influence to instead of helping out brands and capitalism and America. Wants people to like her, but she's not like an entity that anyone would know. It would be like, could you name like the person who runs a major record studio right now? No. Besides, like those who were well, famous before they did, like, like, like you know. Yeah, it's it's the 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 threat is unclear. I mean, it, it's supposed to be 
I imagine that, like, in the spirit of, like, the Hanna-Barbera stuff, you know, it's like, scrappy teens defeat the evil. Yeah, I would have gotten away with it. And that's why, a couple of minutes ago, I was like, what's it, like, what's at stake? Because everything, no one, even the villain feels, like, half committed to what they're doing. Yeah, like, it is insane. (laughs) They they build it up that they're going to use it to control teens and make them conform. But then it turns out what they stop is just that woman making everyone like her. That would have been what would have happened if they had just played the concert. Yeah. I, Although I guess it would have just been anybody with her name because she didn't specify like her first and last name. That's true. So it was a very br- – but it was just like, oh, aren't you like super rich? Yeah. And like why do you need people to like you? You are cool. You can have like awesome parties and tons of people will show up. You the, don't... the movie tried to establish something because they introduced her uh, meeting the band and they had her – the band came and met her in – what is her bedroom, maybe? Yeah. Uh, it was her girl's room. No boys allowed. I it don't was, know. I, I don't did, know what I made fuck. a joke about it earlier, but it was like a couple of pieces that were like stolen from a tiny girl's it's room. It's like a dollhouse and a bunch yeah. of Hello Kitty But it was stuff. in a, it like a, like a house room. Some sort of like weird rape room. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, like, they, like everything is like creepy, like little girly to like it was like tim burton designs his daughter's playroom yeah yeah i don't know it was just that whole scene was weird and And like and she felt like she was having like a stroke yeah because she had like a tray of like junk food and she picks up a pringle and then she goes i'm 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 such a pig and then she starts like freaking out about how much her her precise weight she gets that that lisp she she gains a lisp and then runs away and then comes back and it's gone and then but that's like while she's giving a back rub see (laughs) see (laughs) let's what is this movie really about okay right there right there i hear what you think Wait, hold on. I just want our listeners to like rewind 30 seconds back and just re-listen to yep. Seth and Ben describing this scene. And it it's it is this movie to a T. You'll just be like, I, what the fuck is wrong it, with and you? Seth and I did not get high together and nope. just imagine the same thing. That nope. we saw the same movie. It's on film. Yeah. Like if you had if you had changed the music that was plain because the dialogue is nonsense it is so weird it's it feels like david lynch it feels like it i'm or you know something like that like it feels like the dialogue is just like a word jumble basically if you yeah. change some music to like something really ominous like i was like waiting for blood to start coming out of the walls or something like it was so fucking weird it's like this giant concrete room with pink padding on it and She's massaging this girl on her bed while the other two, or the two other girls. Well, she says that she weighs three pounds less than her, and the other girl's like looking at some sort of weird doll. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, I don't. I, this whole thing, like, that's one of those scenes where, like, in my trailer recut of David Finch's or uh, David Lynch's. Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> that would be like one of the main scenes that I would. I feel like if they had let him make this movie, it would be less weird. <laughs> yeah, it I, I think so. It, it, it would have at least had more of a story. To yeah, find. I guess it would have had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and something would have been at stake. I might it, not have gotten it, but a David Lynch <laughs> movie can be super weird. But you're you're you end it just thinking to yourself. Oh, I didn't get that. Yeah. But this one, it ended and I was like, I'm worried. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm worried who for whoever wrote this. Yeah. Can we call them and see if they're okay? <laughs> I was Cause... almost just gonna like start looking at my bank accounts because like I think they might have used this to steal my identity. <laughs> <laughs> because as what Seth was leading up to is is the movie has this bizarre understanding of youth. It has this really cryptic like sexual themes like laden throughout and then really overt ones in the beginning yeah there's like there's some real blatant like sex jokes like but then the characters are nervous about sexuality in every instance that it arrives can you who do you think was the market like did they think this was going to be a popular movie for like high school to college age girls the only possible market would have been 16-year-olds who were born in 1940. <laughs> I think the only possible market was the director and his immediate family. To the 2000s and saw this and say, hey, I remember that, and I'm also young. Yeah. Like, that's the only way that could have worked. I mean, it is it is insane. I, I often will just write what the fuck in my notes when I'm annoyed at something and I don't know how to, like, write anything. There, I have at least six of them in my notes. This is the most I've ever written for one of these movies. And, like, my notes become the angriest I think I've ever taken notes. There's just things where I say, like, what the fuck is wrong with this movie? Uh, What the fuck? Not another goddamn song. I I just get angrier. And then at the end, I just wrote, good for James Spader, and I don't know why. (laughs) Good good for James Spader. I guess maybe because he got a kiss racially cooked, maybe? Yeah, he did. You know, there was there was a that weird, not forced at all, uh, make out scene on the stage. Yep. Yeah. Whatever. Shortly before that, I literally wrote. I just wrote. I hate this movie. <laughs> That's my note. No context as to exact what scene happened. I just was like, I don't, I don't like this movie. My best note. My best note on here, and it's it's from from earlier. Is I wrote Ari Spears pretends to be Bill Cosby. Stick my spoon in your pudding. Oh Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I realized that like Bill Cosby jokes are no longer innocuous. There's like, also yeah, like, like when you go back and watch him in the past, you're like, so a weird Heath. Like they bring up Heath Ledger twice, and it was like yeah. Heath Ledger is the new Matt Damon. And I looked back, and I'm like, Matt Damon had not been in anything yeah. as a main character. He wasn't like a hunk. I'm like, that's a that's weird like the weird thing. thing is they were like, he's the new Matt Damon. It's like Matt Damon wasn't in like boy movies. Which he, at that, exactly. Which at this yeah. Point time, they're, that's they're not. Was in. They're not the, in, the, in even remotely the same quadrant. Yeah. And, and, and they bring him up. They've actually bring Heath Ledger up twice in this movie. It's really weird. I mean, now, you know, now that we don't have Heath Ledger anymore, it's just a weird comparison. I'm, I feel like, I mean, I don't think it means anything. I just think it's just weird. It was a weird choice. I mean, there's a lot of weird choices in this movie. But, uh, yeah, the the whole thing is so strange. Like, I think that might actually, like, it really, that might be the best way to describe this movie. Like, that's their joke. Heath Ledger is the new Matt Damon, which at this point, Matt Damon is more, is, like, famous for writing Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. And, he and you're like, Heath Ledger is... For like five yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, Heath Ledger's famous for being in like uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. But I I think that explains this whole movie, which is a joke that they don't – like they, they think the punchline is something entirely different. Yeah. Like their jokes don't match the jokes. Like the punchlines don't fit the jokes. And that's this entire movie from start to finish. And, and this is one of those – this is one of those movies where like um, – you know, like we think about like the the first Batman movie, like the night uh, eighty nine Batman, yeah, uh, and it's like 
there's like that movie is funny and bad because it's funny and bad and it's sort of a relic of its time. This movie was supposed to be like a parody and like commentary on things and it doesn't even understand it's like it's like when your dad makes a joke about something he has no point of reference for like i feel like that's what it is but it's an entire film but it's also based on a fucking hanna barbera cart it's a really weird vehicle for commentary (laughs) it's so bizarre that they're like what's a property that we can really do a send-up of like the consumerism of the united states and like well there was this comic about a band in the 1960s women who wore cat ears and solved mysteries yeah yeah that okay (laughs) i I also rather this was seven and they had just done the exact same movie but with josie and the pussycats as the main characters here's the fucking weird thing about it though is is we're talking a lot about like the framework of like the corporate logos in it and like the weird bizarre cuts and like david lynch you feel the 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 cinematographer the director of photography and cinematographer for this movie was the same for requiem of a dream shut up no way and 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 the fountain and like are you sure he didn't like like he was like hired on and they got like diphtheria (laughs) actually do his job and they were Man, like this guy has worked with Darren Aronofsky on like seven or eight movies. Oh yeah, and he did Josie and the Pussycats. I mean, he, he, phone booth. He, hey man, maybe he, I mean, he also did Pussycats. Exhibit, Restless Exposed, the video documentary of Exhibit. But you know, <laughs> yeah. Gotta, basically, I think he bet a friend that he'd get the weirdest IMDb page. Well, I think maybe he was just like, <laughs> dude, I really want a boat. Who wants me to? Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, I got a car payment to make. Whatever. My kids want to go to like Berkeley. How hard could fuck. how hard could framing Josie and the Pussycats be? Really, like use these lenses, put the camera here. I'm gonna go out and have a cigarette. I'll be back yeah. in an hour. I'm gonna go do tons of coke. Hit this button when they start talking, and then hit this button again when they stop talking. Or don't. Who cares? You're now the director of photography for Josie and the Pussycats. But like they use. There's a, there's a few scenes in the movie where they either f- had to do reshoots or something, but they're clearly using different lenses and things are lit differently. And sometimes yeah. it's these weird close-ups that are using like a wide angle or like fisheye lens. And then at like and one it's point, it's really hard, like really hard light. It's really bright. And then. Like there's a scene where like the three the three like mean girls knock on the door, yes. Josie, and it's like their faces are this weird MTV music video fisheye lens. Well, it almost looks like they were filmed on like an iPhone, like the original iPhone, and everybody else is being filmed on 35 millimeter. It's like they're so grainy and like weird fisheye, and you're just like, what the. F- fuck is going on like i almost i didn't know if it was like a like you said if it was reshoots like they had a different joke in there or but there's a couple of scenes where it did feel like they came back for reshoots and the studio was like we're not letting you use one of those cameras they're really expensive to rent yeah. here's a gopro fuck off yeah. i guess i guess the takeaway that i'm getting out of this is that it, it, don't watch this movie well yeah but it, i i i've uh, seen we're done. i've seen mixed reactions online because a lot of the people who went to this... you went to a website for people who have suffered brain trauma? No, no. 
what I'm seeing is a lot of people being like, oh, it's such like a hilarious critique of like consumerism and stuff. Like as if it, if, as if that's like the intent and it succeeded, but it didn't. Like somebody attempted to do a bit about consumerism, and they got like this, you know, this director of photography for 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 incredibly arty films to do it as well. But there's no message there. There's no. There's no. Yeah. There's no true send up. There's like the there's like the imitation of that kind of message, but then you also just pack most of the alumni from Road Trip in to do like yeah. bits about like about about how pussycat all, the first word is the word pussy and that's funny like that's the rest of the movie. So there's a there's a, a VHS and DVD release of this uh, that is family friendly in quotes. It's PG rated. I'm looking at Wikipedia. Uh, and it says it admitted a great deal of the profanity and sexual references. This whole movie is about sex. Yeah. Is, is sexual references. A ton. It's a bunch of, like, confused ch- adult children who have never touched other humans before. And there's weird rooms where women give each other back rubs. and But nothing more bizarre than the ending. Where it's revealed that, like, the one guy's an albino? Yeah! <laughs> like, the end of this ultimate, movie, like, it goes, like, you're like, wow, this is real weird. This woman was going to use this thing because she wants to be pot. And then it just goes into this story where you're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, each new turn of the reveal, I'm just like, why do, why is this happening? Cut this scene out of the movie. I don't care. Like, why is it still going? It was just like it, it's shocking, and the end is so insane that I almost just felt like they were like, "What's the dumbest way we can end this movie?" Or, I know the one guy's an albino. Yeah, and they they went to the same high school and somehow don't recognize each other. Yeah, and it's like again, the the, the movie the movie is is a is a is a parody. It's a commentary on consumerism and conformity and then it just turns. I mean, it's like Austin Power villains. I mean, they're they're goofy. They're they're silly. They're but Austin, it's, it's, it's they're Austin even... Power villains, but like in the third movie where he had run out of ideas. Entirely. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, not even like a statement on anything. It's like they sat down and read the script, and someone wrote consumerism equals, and then they trailed off, and they said, "Hey, can we get letters from Cleo to do this?" <laughs> <laughs> like that feels all, like they uh, like. That's it all they... feels like they hired somebody who wrote a script that was like, "Here's the send up of con- consumerism," and then somebody came in, and they were like, "Eh." I, let's make the bad guys jokey. So the movie just abruptly in the third act is no longer about sending up consumerism because at the end everybody just consumes what they're putting out and loves it anyways. Yeah, yeah. well, maybe is that the joke? And it's like, <laughs> like you pack scenes with McDonald's. I'm not sure there's a joke. <laughs> and my thought on that is, what exactly? That 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 advertising exists like i don't understand what i'm supposed to take away from those yeah it like it does it like the scenes where they're like in the hotel and everything is branded that like that's not a joke like that just because you put a mcdonald's logo on a shower that's not a joke but if they had and, like it have... doesn't make any sense like it's not like it's showing like the pussycats are like falling prey to this it just so happens that's the hotel room they're sent to stay in yeah yeah like it, it, there's no like moment where they play up on them being like why is everything labeled? This is weird. You know, it's just completely... It's just in the background. Yeah, it's yeah. like like idiocracy where it's like, oh, like the government's sponsored by an energy drink. Like, that's like a bit. That's yeah. like a joke with a, with, yeah. a, with a whole part to it. It's... it's God damn, I'm so mad right now that I'm still talking. Well, even like... Even like... Even... 
fucking like demolition man yeah jokes about consumerism and conformity like that movie is uh, is very much about that and it's right. like all restaurants are taco bell now and like that's like a joke that's like a joke about consumerism and 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 corporations and every you know everything eventually gets owned by five different things there's not even like a thing there's not even a there's not even a conflict in Josie and the Pussycats in which they as artists are are at you know at odds with with the consumerism like there's the subliminal message part but it's not like that they're sell you know it's like oh well you can only go on world tour if sony sponsors all your stuff it's 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 so detached it's like two different ideas it's like you know it's like they want it to be like a they live type thing right i i almost wonder if they if it is like they took an another existing script that was about consumerism like a band and they were like we want to attach it to this josie and the pussy project josie and the pussycats oh no no We'll nope. stick with that. Yep, Josie and the Pussy Project. That's well, there was a couple of shots where it was almost close. It's my band. Uh, new T-shirt. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we couldn't even sell the other one. I don't know if we can sell that one. Um, but it just feels like that's what happened, and they just crammed it in, and then people were like, "Well, this doesn't really make any sense," and they're like, "Fuck it, it'll work." Because if they actually wanted to drive home a message like that, then the movie would have ended with them like doing a show back in Riverdale at the bowl. Yeah. Like where they started, where out. they started, or but or they do a giant show, or coming out on stage and be and, and like bringing everyone up on stage to be like, oh, we're no different. Like let's all yeah, or just like instead of like I said, if they'd even just thrown in people being like meh and just walking off, I'd be like, there. At least you get the sense that they stopped something. At this point, I don't know if they're all still brainwashed. It's because they were brainwashed to think they she's the great they're the greatest band ever, and everybody in the audience still loves them. That's highly unlikely. So, I mean, that's like the movie just ends with such a punt from like, yeah, actually the last 30 minutes of this movie, you could just cut out. I fast forwarded and I have not fast forwarded through a lot of the movies we've watched. FY fucking I. Yeah. I think this may be like the new, I don't think I could ever watch this movie again, which is saying a lot because I really do like two of the actresses. I would watch Virus again, which is saying a lot. Yeah, I think this may be the new worst. I'd rather watch AVP again. I'd rather watch my man D South turn into a weird zombie person in Virus. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this movie, like, I would say this. If somebody puts a gun to your head and tells you to watch it, let them shoot you. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's if we can, If you can take anything away from this episode. It's just, this is pretty much both a hate crime, a war crime. It's just, it should have been the end of cinema, really. We should have just closed up the door. What's that on the poster? Josie and the Pussycats, a hate crime, period, a war crime, period, and end to civilization. No, an end to cinema, question mark? End to cinema, question mark? So so there's, like, looking at the writing credits for this, um, the the two people who wrote the script are the same people who directed this. So this was clearly, like, we are going to do this movie, and we are going to be in complete control of it. Uh, and uh, well, I guess the other three credits for the writing are the people who originally came up with the, the characters. I'm sure that's just a formality type thing. But like, so Deborah Kaplan and Harry Alfont are the two people who were like, this needs to be in theaters. So send your hate mail to. Well, I feel like those people should definitely be put in prison. Yeah. Like, there's something wrong with those people. Well, and so, uh, so, um, this guy, uh, so, so Harry Alfont wrote, uh, Can't Hardly Wait, 
before before this one. And Can't Hardly Wait is is a pretty well known, you know, uh, teen sex comedy from the '90s type thing. '98. It doesn't have a great rating on IMDb. Uh, it did better than Josie and the Pussycats. It actually made some money, not a whole lot, but like, um, but it's it's one of those movies that I think is kind of like a guilty pleasure movie for a lot of people. I don't know, I don't know anybody who's like, oh yeah, Josie and the Pussycats. I love that movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like the reviews on Amazon and IMDb are remarkably high. Like, yeah. there's a lot of user reviews in 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 the high, like you know, six six seven stars out of ten reviews. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so yeah. And another thing is this movie. They shot this movie in two months, and uh, they shot it between August and October. Of, yeah, before nine uh, eleven. I know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> death, death before death before nine eleven. That'll be a new feature on the podcast. Was this movie deaf before nine eleven? How how would have how would nine eleven have changed this movie? <laughs> Maybe they, we would have we would have rethought it and been well, like America doesn't deserve this. Plane crash. Do you think that was field. Do you think that was the discussion happening in that thread? <laughs> was people negotiating how nine eleven affected them and for cinema and this. You know, like thing. yeah, like it made cinema be like, we should stop suggesting. We're really glad against the shit. Nine Eleven happened after the release of this film, so Harry Elfont and and Deborah Kaplan could really see their vision as it was meant to be seen. They were they were probably like one of those group of Hollywood writers who were like picked up to like write possible like possible terrorist attack scenarios oh. for the government. <laughs> That's like a real thing. I feel like they might have gotten a job. Also, it into Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, just to sum up my thoughts, uh, because we've pretty much been talking about consumerism for quite a while. Um, I think I just defer. I think oh. I'll just defer to the last note in my in my notes taken while watching this, which was, for the love of fuck, I've run out of things to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one was definitely like I paused it to go get water and stuff, and I came back and I was like, there's probably only like 20 minutes left of this. I'll and I brought up the thing, it said there was 45 minutes left, and I, for a second, I was just like, I wonder if I could just kill myself right now. If that yeah, I'm, be... pic- I'm picturing you sitting back down, seeing that amount, and then, like, a, a really, like, like intense violin plays as the camera just slowly <laughs> moves in in your face, and your eyes sink. <laughs> and then as it zooms back out, I've grabbed my ceremonial dagger from its stand <laughs> on a table. The Spider-Man 2 joke. Ceremonial dagger. I was going to say, you hipster. (laughs) (laughs) I also want to insist that I would have preferred to watch the movie that you typoed, uh, Josie and the Pussycars, when we were discussing this movie. I want to know what happens in that one. Well, I'm telling you, it's Josie and the Pussycats, but they get Grease Lightning from Grease. (laughs) It's pretty great. It's a real pussy wagon, guys. It's a real pussycat wagon, I guess, in this situation. Oof. Yeah, not a great pun. There was, there was, there was three moments in this movie where I legitimately laughed. I, I hate to admit it. I, I did laugh too. I'm, when, I'll admit it. There was when, like a couple of jokes. When Tara Reed says she wants to go back in time and meet Snoopy, I laughed. I laughed <laughs> at that. I had a genuine. That was a funny joke. I don't know if that's something she just said in between, like huffing paint. Yeah, like that was just something that, like, during one of her multiple drug outs. Yeah, but she wants to go back in time and meet Snoopy. I thought that was that was funny, and I kind of wish them like they they tried to use her character to be the funny one, but it was like it was ju- like someone just wrote twenty jokes for her character, 
and then they, she just said one of them at the end, or you know, yeah, when she was leaving her room, she'd say one of the jokes, <laughs> and it didn't like. I, this movie, I just don't know. I don't understand what this movie was going for. It's not even relevant if it like adheres to any of the plots from the television shows or the twenty years of comics. Also, by the way, I, now that I'm thinking about it, there's nothing in twenty years of Josie and the Pussycats material that they could have made a movie out of. Which like, it's got to be insane that the people wrote it and directed it. One of them had to like Josie and the Pussycats. There's no way you're just like like the studio came to him and they're like, hey, we want to develop a Josie and the Pussycats movie. Will you write it? And they were like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, this is definitely a project you had to go to a, a, a studio and, and say, shop it I think we could do this. So it is bizarre how little it has to do with anything. <laughs> yeah, like, they spend more time just showing you and showing you advertisements and talking about company names than they do. I, I, I mean, like. I, I don't know. I, I just I'm this movie just leaves me speechless. To, in a way. Well, then to to fill in the words for you, uh, I'll sum it up with with a random selection of 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 keywords taken from the IMDb. Page. I don't want to know the keywords for this movie. They're gonna get creepy. I think bathtub reference okay. to Heath Ledger. <laughs> Airplane Wait, reference crash. to Heath Ledger. Are there a lot of movies with just references to Heath Ledger? <laughs> Box office flop. Presumed dead. that sums it up i think about as well as we're going to i think we'd all agree nobody wants we would not recommend this movie no not not at all there are a lot of people in this movie (laughs) who are uncredited yes all by request i can only imagine it is it is a it is a record-breaking percentage there's someone in here in the credits whose whose name or, or whose uh role per the credits is gay rumor team member number three yeah you don't remember gay rumor team member one and two what <laughs> yeah wait what the fuck i don't remember there being a gay rumor gay in this movie rumor team member what is that is that from like when they were in like the control center like the i guess we'll just have to cobra buy the dvd and watch all the deleted scenes i'm okay we'll just it'll be live screen <laughs> Wasn't, like, Joan Jett in this, too, for, like, three seconds or somebody? Oh, wow. Uh, I thought she I thought she was, like, the final hairdresser who came out at the very end for, like, a, like a really oh, I quick think, cut. I think it might have been, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe somewhere in uh, the IMDb it's listed. Anyhow, I'm sorry that this happened, that we did this to you, that this existed, and I'm extremely sorry. Uh, usually I take a, a neutral role when it comes to responding to people's opinions on movies but in my case if you are one of the people out there on the internet endorsing this film for its consumerism message or for its catchy lyrics um stop 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 that stop being you stop it if, stop if, doing that if you want to say that the music is like you like it i'll let that one ride i'll just be like hey to each his own there's music i don't like and there's music i like that people don't like but to be like this movie is a good commentary on consumerism makes me think that you don't know what the word commentary or consumerism means or words you don't know yeah what words or are. you were just like typing in your phone autocorrected <laughs> uh, so i think that's it we would re- not recommend seeing this movie it was a real garbage fest thanks for making us watch it seth hey you, um, you still got to look at rachel lee cook for a while so i know she's so adorable that. 
She uh, is, and I guess if you want if you want to watch a movie that is better and more fun that also has Rachel Lee Cook, you could look at uh, Antitrust, which is a movie I like a lot. Uh, anything, literally, probably Just, any yeah. film that she's in that is not this one. It's probably, probably even that one where she's like the nerdy girl who becomes hot, whatever that she one's called. That with... Yeah, that's probably a better movie than this. Just click on the low self-esteem keyword on IMDb and you'll find a, a ton of oh, extra the, movies. The IMDb <laughs> keywords are, yeah, presumed dead. I just like that somebody was like, I need to know movies that have references to Heath Ledger in them. <laughs> like, I need to be able to access that in a moment's notice. Yeah. <laughs> like it may, uh, you know, when it comes up in conversation, hey, did you see open range i don't know did it have a reference to heath ledger in it there are it, so it many things that are tagged with <laughs> reference to heath ledger it's so oh an episode of undeclared all right oh, we've gone off the rails thanks for listening on another origin story <laughs> thank you uh yet yeah, you can of course send us a message at facebook.com slash naos pod or tweet at naos pod we'll read them on the next mini episode you can follow ben at the disco pony and me on Instagram at its folks. Seth, do you want to say they can find you somewhere or do you like your name? I, I exist out there somewhere. Nope. Uh, but after this, I'm going to create an IMDb keyword for Carson to get taxable. <laughs> <laughs>